So welcome to today's Society9 podcast. Um, it's Lynn, founder and CEO of Society9. And Megan, the director of marketing and sales for Society9. Um, so for those of you really quickly who don't know who we are, we are the brand for the fight in every woman, and we make the best boxing and MMA gear and sportswear possible for women out there. Um, and on our podcast today, we are so excited because we have Maureen Shea on the phone, and uh, we had the pleasure of meeting her on our LA tour um, because she was speaking at this uh, viewing party for um, this amazing documentary done by Jill Morley called Fight Like a Girl um, that follows both Maureen's journey as well as Jill's journey um, and all the incredible people along the way of their um, fight careers. Um, you get to see the trials and tribulations and you also get to see you know, really what it means to be an athlete, not just in life, but in sport as well. And so we're just really excited to um, take the time today to have Maureen share her story and her passions with us that go beyond just the world of boxing. So welcome, Maureen. Thank you so much. Um, you know, it was so great to meet you guys. Um, you know, I didn't know, you know, Jill hadn't really told me much about, you know, Society9. I mean, she, I think she just kind of wanted me to meet you guys and kind of like get it directly from you. So um, she just gave me a little bit of a briefing, but I, I wasn't exactly sure. And then uh, when I met you guys, I mean, you're awesome. Like just, you know, everything that you, you, you re- you're representing, I mean, I'm totally, um, you know, I'm into it. And it's so nice to meet and see other women out there kind of doing kind of similar things that I've been doing, you know. Um, and it's, it's, it's just great. It was just so great to connect with you guys. So I'm really happy to be on. I, I had so much fun at that viewing and, and just getting a chance to, to meet you and Jill and, and, and not only that, but to see the impact you had on the, the people in the audience and the women in the audience, it was, it was so cool. Um, I had one girl come up to me after you guys spoke after, after the movie and, and I, you could just tell that your story had impacted a lot of people. So, um, and thanks for making us blush by telling us that we're awesome. Yeah, seriously. I mean, we wouldn't even be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for women like you and Jill who already, you know, paved the way earlier before us. So, um, so thank you. Um, Yeah, we're just going to have a big ego fest right now. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Of course. This is what happens when you put three females on a phone. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, yeah. I think something we should do is, obviously, Lynn and I know who you are, and I think anyone who follows boxing knows who you are, but there might be other women who are listening to this podcast who maybe are new to the world of combat sports. So um, why don't you give us a little introduction to yourself so everyone who doesn't know you will know you. Yeah, make well, it good, Marine. <laughs> Oh God! I'm like, where do I begin? I hate when people ask me that. I'm like, I don't know where to start. I know. Um, I just, um, well, my name is Maureen. Obviously, Maureen Chan from the Bronx. Um, I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York, and uh, I live now in Ventura, California, where I train. Well, actually, I live in Oxnard, but I train in Ventura, California, with knuckleheads boxing. Um, I my boxing record is 25 and two with 12 knockouts. I'm a former WBC uh, interim featherweight world champion and the current uh, IFBA. Super, a uh, junior, junior featherweight world champion. Um, I've been boxing since I was 19 years old. I started, um, really going to the gym. I mean, I, I guess, you know, it was really funny. And this is where I become so honest and vulnerable with things. Like, I never knew I was an athlete because I never knew mm-hmm. what an athlete was. I didn't even know that a person could be defined like, oh, you're an athlete or you're athletic. I didn't really know what that meant. Um, so I, I, I got, I would always go to the gym and I always worked out and I always like to use my, my body, I guess, because 
I had a huge amount of energy. So my mom put me in like every activity possible when I was a kid. I learned how to swim when I was nine months, you know, because I was a risk taker. My mom would put me by the pool. We had a pool in the Bronx and my mom would put me on the on the deck and she said, if, if you jumped in, I was taking you for swimming lessons. And sure enough, I <laughs> crawled over and I threw myself into the pool and she said, okay. And so I actually posted a picture on my Instagram recently of me in the water at nine months with my mom. Uh, swimming. And if you see the expression on my face, I'm like, that's my energy. So when people see that, people that know me, they are like, oh yeah, that's you because I just have a lot of energy. So, um, I guess I always, you know, I always worked out and, 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 um, I always like to, I was always in different sports, but I never really felt connected to anything. I played softball, basketball, tennis, soccer. Uh, I did gymnastics, jazz. I did everything. I even played an instrument, you know, whatever I could get myself into or my mom could get me into, I did. But, you know, it, boxing for me really was a gift, I feel, because I wasn't raised with it. You know, you hear these stories about boxers and how they get into it. And it's their their culture, their family. And it it really had nothing to do with my life at all until I went to a gym. And at the time, I was in an abusive relationship. And I just felt really bad about myself. And I always knew that using my body or doing things with my energy, whether it was positive or negative, you know, putting it into something always made me feel good. And um, at the time, actually, I... I'm so grateful that I wasn't putting it into anything negative because there was a time in my life when I was like 15, 14, 15 years old where I put my energy into a lot of negative stuff that really could have um, hurt me. Uh, and, and I'm grateful that it didn't. I'm very lucky and fortunate that it didn't. But uh, going into the gym and, and, and working out helped me to understand or put this energy, this negative energy from this abusive relationship, um, you know, in, in a more positive way. Um, but I actually went because I, I thought I was fat and ugly and I wanted to better myself for this person. So I, I went to the gym and um, I was working out and then I walked into the back and there was a boxing ring and I was like, oh, I want to try this. I'm like, I like to hit stuff because I was always like a tomboy growing <laughs> up too. You know, I was a tomboy growing up. My brother's yeah. 10 years older than me. I was the extrovert. He was the introvert. So I was all about being, you know, um, just, just, and, and like I said, I had a lot of, I, I, I tell people I had a lot of misplaced rage. So I had some <laughs> anger issues growing up, you know, mm -hmm. and the anger, I think the anger really stemmed from not understanding, um, what was going on in my life, uh, with my family, my brother being 10 years older than me. He, like I said, he was an introvert. So we, he really mm -hmm. kind of didn't like me because he didn't know what to do with my energy. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of people in my family didn't know what to do with my energy because my mom always said, you know, when it was just you and me, we would travel. And whenever we traveled, it was you and me, you were fine. But then we were around like a group of people. Like I was like, like the crazy came out and I just, my mom couldn't get me to sit still, couldn't get me to stop, you know? So, um, you know, I think I had a lot and I, I really believe a lot of people, and th this is kind of what led me to the psychology part of it is because I think a lot of people, um, don't understand what's going on within themselves and they may think they're crazy or they may look for an outlet or they just self-medicate or they just don't mm -hmm. try to find something to help them heal. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I tell people boxing was a gift from God because it, it helped me heal. And when I found it, I just fell in love with it. And, um, you know, I just wanted to know more and do more and what's next. And I hid it from my family for a long time because my parents, my, my dad was a cop retired detective at the time. And my mom worked for the airlines, you know, so they're like, and my mom's super sweet and gentle. Um, but she's got this, this, this drive. My mother's got a drive that I, I know where I get it from. Like it makes sense, mm -hmm. you know, and she loves people and she loves to talk. And my dad has a real discipline also. And he was always the disciplinarian and, um, he's an achiever as well. So I guess it was already in me and just boxing was like the missing link that kind of mm -hmm. brought all my, good qualities together and helped me take the negative 
stuff that I was going through and kind of spin it into something or knowing how to focus it. And, um, you know, when, when I first got into the film, I'm kind of going on a tangent here. So stop me. If you, whenever you, <laughs> whenever Ladies you guys and want gentlemen, to. we're like three minutes into the podcast. So like, <laughs> this is amazing. We're like, oh. yeah, this is incredible. Well, you know, I, I was in, so a little bit more about my story. Um, my dad's bipolar and I, I never really talked about it. You know, even Jill, when we did the film, when I first met Jill, um, before we, we did fight like a girl or I even agreed to be part of it, you know, um, during the filming, I never would allow myself to be vulnerable and I never want mm. anybody to see these sides of me or know about these things. And it's funny because, you know, now I'm a domestic violence advocate and I've done, I've been a keynote speaker at events about domestic violence and I never in a million years thought I would ever be because I didn't mm. feel like I wanted people to know that I was in an abusive relationship. But that's how I found mm. boxing. But I'm an honest person. So when people ask me a question, I give an honest answer. Mm-hmm. So people say, well, how did you find boxing? And I'm like, well, and I just told you the story. I'm like, I went to a gym because I thought I was fat and ugly and I wanted to better myself. And I found boxing. It wasn't like a marketing thing. It wasn't like it was just mm-hmm. an honest thing, you know, and I, I found that I wasn't really being honest with Jill. You know, I, I just wasn't ready to trust or be vulnerable at that point. And then um, slowly but surely, she actually, it took another woman to allow herself to be vulnerable and other women to say it's safe and you can mm-hmm. too. So they helped me, you know, to become more vulnerable. And, um, you know, and with vulnerability does come some, some naysayers, some people that'll mm-hmm. make fun of you and put you down and it's bullying. And I, I, when I speak to kids, I tell them like, listen, bullying exists at any age. It doesn't matter. It just comes in different forms and, you know, it's how you handle it. So, you know, becoming vulnerable in the film, just, I kind of like my, my therapy just kind of took off, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, even talking about my dad's bipolar disorder, because here I am talking about an abusive relationship. And then you're hearing that my parents are happily married. They're going on this November 50 years. And I'm like, I come from this great family. My father never hit my mother. I never, you know, so that like, where's the link to the abuse? Like, where does it come from? And it does come from something. And I believe in a lot of women, if they trace back to their childhood, their youth, somewhere, somehow, they felt they were like they deserved it or it was okay or something. So with me, um, I realized it was because being my, my dad was bipolar, he was emotionally unavailable. And then I realized, oh, I'm attracted to emotionally unavailable men. <laughs> and then that's where it kind of, it kind of took it, a life of its, of its own, you know, and I started learning and healing. So it was because of boxing that I was able to even recognize all of this. And if it wasn't for boxing, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I would have at some point, but I don't know if I would have or how I would have. But here I am doing it, feeling it, and and helping people now sharing my story about, you know, different things that I've been through. But it's it's funny when I um when I tell people my story like I am right now, I'm sitting here going, God, I sound like an after school special. Like people <laughs> like People are like, you should have your own lifetime show. You need like a movie. You need like a book. You need like, I'm like, and this isn't even it. I'm just telling you guys like, but you know, there's so many people out there that have similar stories, but it's all mm-hmm. about, you know, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And some people don't want to share it and that's okay. But I find healing and sharing and relating. And then when I share, somebody else says something and I'm like, Ooh, I like that. Like, yes, I agree. And, and it helps me, you know, no, for um, sure. but I'm a huge advocate. Uh, for for mental me- mental illness, like I, I I speak about it. Um, I suffered from depression. I was diagnosed bipolar disorder when I was fourteen years old. I was misdiagnosed. 
So here I am on lithium and Depakote on these medications. And not that I'm saying people shouldn't be on medications because my dad's bipolar and he's on medication. And I have a lot of people in my life that are on medications. And But I, I just trusted myself in saying I'm not bipolar. Like I knew I didn't need that medication. Then I tried. Then I was depression. And then I was on other medications. I'm like, this isn't right either. Like I knew that these weren't right because I wasn't right. I was losing myself and I became a different person. And I was fighting so hard just to find myself and find my, my, what I knew life could be better. I knew I'd have to suffer, you know, but it was really through boxing that really led me down this path of healing. And, and, and that's the best thing about when you hear women's, and I'm not saying men's stories aren't similar, but the boys are more expected to be roughhousing and boxing and MMA and what they're doing, you know, jujitsu and all that stuff. And you see a female, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, no, you know, the, the, the stereotypical thing, which is breaking now, which is awesome because women like myself are coming out saying, Hey, girls fight for a different reason. And it's actually therapeutic. It's not negative. It's not because we've been to jail. It's not because we used to box and slap box as kids. It's, I mean, I had a guy say to me in the gym one time, he goes, you don't look like a fighter. He goes, you know, fighters are criminals. They've come from jail. They've, they've been rough. They've been through the streets. And I looked at him and I said, how do you know I haven't done time? <laughs> and he just looked at me like, I'm like, how do you know I haven't served? I said, how do you know? Just because you don't see it. And he just looked at me and I was like, I'm going to let you sit with that. And I walked away from him. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of oh like, God. I like the shock value, you know, I, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> like, it. I mean, he told me I look like I should be in a kitchen baking pies. And I said, oh, I don't no, know how to no, bake no, pies. <laughs> yeah. But I told him the truth again, the truth comes out. I'm like, but I don't know how to bake pies and I don't want to learn. So like, what? It, but then they look at you cause they don't expect those responses. They, some of them, some people, men and women, they expect you to be submissive and I'm anything mm. but submissive, you know? So it's like, no, not really. But it's interesting. That's why I love sharing the stories and hearing other stories of other women and how they got into it. It's really cool. But the psychology of it for me, I mean, I swear I should like go speak, get my PhD or something because I'm like, God, the amount of stuff that I've lived through with therapy since I was like 12 years old, I've been in therapy and I'm currently in therapy. Now I'm seeing a sports psychologist, which is a whole new mm. realm for me, which is really mm. interesting. But I'm like, this is cool. Just develop, just discovering things about yourself mm. through a sport, you know, or anything. I don't care if you're a basket weaver. You know what I mean? Like you could, you could figure out some, I mean, shoot, I don't like to basket weave. And I'm like, people that like to basket weave, I'm like, why? Like, I don't have the desire. But like people look at me, they're like, why do you box? Why? I'm like, I don't know. Why does she basket weave? Like, you know, we figure it out, you know, just, just because it's just out of the norm, you know, I don't mm. know what's normal anymore, you know? For sure. Um, no, I think I, I agree 100% with that, <laughs> what is normal anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And you just kind of have to find the things you're passionate uh, Something I really love that you were talking about is this kind of idea of the strength and vulnerability. And I feel like that's a conversation that Lynn and I have a lot about. Uh, and it's funny, I actually just had this conversation with one of our brand ambassadors that there's there's this certain amount of power and solidarity that comes when you do allow yourself to be vulnerable with other people. And you don't know the struggles that other people are going through because you can't judge someone just by looking at them. You don't know if they serve time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but if they serve time and they can bake pies. Yes. Yeah, imagine, see that? <laughs> yep. So I, it's, it's really cool and I think, um, I think it's interesting. I don't, I don't know how to say exactly what I want to say, but 
I do find in the combat sports area of boxing, kickboxing, all the martial arts, um, you find these communities or these sub-communities of women that, you know, they're spending two plus hours a day at, at the least with each other and they are developing these relationships where they know things about each other that, you know, you don't tell your other friends and, and they have gone through some of the same struggles and if they haven't gone through the same struggles as their friend, there's kind of this unsaid support for each other um uh-huh. and i think that's that's really cool um i think that's the camaraderie that's actually missing in a lot of ways um with other sports because it's that deep rooted um that deep rooted struggle that all women not just women who box or whatever but that all women have it's just that i think women in combat sports there's the way that relationships are fostered in those environments are because everyone knows how deep those struggles can be. And yeah. when you're punching somebody in the face, that's the epitome of vulnerability, right? You're literally, uh-huh. you're literally opening yourself up to vulnerabilities. And so I think there's yeah. like a, a physical metaphor for all of it too. Something that I wanted to um, bridge off of what you were saying, which is you're talking about now like the bridge that you've made from, yes, you were an athlete, not just an athlete, but you were an athlete. And then now you've transitioned now into this role of you know being really passionate about the mental health and psychology behind not just athleticism, but why people get into sports like boxing, like in your case, obviously, that was a personal one for you. But, you know, I'd love to hear more. And I think the audience would love to hear more about how those connections have been made for you now and where you're looking to take that. Uh, because I think that's really interesting. I think a lot of times um, after athletes are considering sort of the what's next after their career, like they don't think about mm-hmm. all the all the mm-hmm. gifts they have to offer. Oh, yeah. It's awesome that you've identified these these gifts that you have just based ironically on your own struggles. So um, we'd love to hear more about that. Well, you know, it's I never knew like I, I know that in high school I, you know, I took speech communications and I don't know if I was ever um, – I, I, I guess I was confident in high school, but I, they'd ask a question and I said, like I said, I'm honest and I'm like, well, I know the answer. You know, I'd raise my hand. I really didn't care what people mm-hmm. thought so much, you know, and my friends. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. I just had an answer. Plus, I was also a little bit of a class clown at the same time where I really didn't care if I got laughed at, you know. So um, I always like raised my hand. I was the first one to raise my hand. I was always the first one to speak. And um, I actually um, I went to college. Um, I majored in English and I minored in speech communications. And I found that it was actually through, I, I guess I left this out of my, my intro, but I worked on Million Dollar Baby. I was Hillary Swank's primary sparring partner for the movie Million Dollar Baby. I shared a lot of my life with her, um, and, and a lot of my struggles. And, um, so they dubbed me the real Million Dollar Baby. They gave me that fight name. Um, my fans actually gave it to me because I just said, I'm like, give myself a fight name. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I call myself Mo. People call me Mo. And, you know, and that's what I put on the back of my robe, Mo. Until I was fighting on the Evander Holyfield Fresno Kendo undercard in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome, and they announced to me as like the real million dollar baby. I'm like, okay, I guess that's gonna be, <laughs> you know, I never called that. myself that, you know. So, um, so you know, with, I would with like doing six figures attached to my or seven right? figures attached I know, to my name. Problem. See, <laughs> people think, but people think that, and they're like, oh yeah, well you got a million dollars. I'm like, yeah, no, not really. That's just the name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, that was only. a movie. But yeah, yeah so um, one million minus. Four zeros. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So, um, so I, I, I found that I had a lot of, um, media coverage. I was, you know, the, I was thrust into a spotlight and, um, 
I, I literally just became like a, a media darling is what they called, they called me. And I didn't even know what that meant. All I knew was that I was being asked questions and I was giving honest answers and I was just speaking. And it's something that I, I guess I didn't even know. Like I said, I didn't know I was an athlete. I didn't, I didn't know I was a speaker. I literally did not. I didn't set out. You know, when people say, do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Like I found what I loved, which was boxing and talking. And now all of a sudden I've <laughs> turned it into a career and I'm like, this is crazy. Um, like awesome. I can get paid for this. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, like, and, and it's funny because people would say that like, uh, when I, or when I went to career day with these kids, I did, um, I was, I came and I spoke and, and I told them like, cause a lot of them, I mean, they're eighth graders, but still, you know, they think about their futures and, and working or jobs and dreams. And I never dreamt of being a world champion or a boxer. I never dreamt of being an inspirational speaker or a keynote speaker. It just kind of manifested itself through honestly, just, I mean, being honest, being asked yeah. a question and being honest. And that's actually what I put on my Facebook today was, you know, when you're honest, you don't have to remember anything. <laughs> and that was my quote by Mark Twain today, because it's true. Mm -hmm. So I found that when I did these interviews, I would just be honest. And then people just loved the honesty. And, and mm -hmm. I just kept going with it. And, um, and the same thing happened with, with, um, with the movie, with the film. Um, but I would forget that the cameras were in front of me. I just li literally <laughs> thought I was having a conversation with somebody and that just happened organically too. So through all of this, I, I got tons of experience and people wanting to hear me speak and through, um, speaking, you know, through, uh, fight like a girl, um, uh, being part of, of speaking there. And Jill would always throw me forward. She's like, you like to talk, you go talk. I'm like, yeah, but you're kind of the producer, but we would do it together. <laughs> You know, so I didn't mm -hmm. mind, you know, and, and, and again, with the vulnerability, it's just funny how it all happened. So now I'm, um, you know, I'm building more of a resume in the speaking department where I'm taking my life experiences and I'm sharing them with people, with women, the domestic violence awareness, um, doing things with mental, you know, mental illness and just being an advocate to let people know, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on, I, I want to write a book. I want to write several books, actually. I just have to kind of fi figure out, figure out which one I want to write first and then <laughs> kind of put the pen to the paper. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I want to do. And sometimes it can get really overwhelming because you just, you know, you're a jack of all trades and a master of none. And that's like the biggest fear for me is that I don't want to be that, you know, um, because <laughs> I have, so, I'm so diverse, but it's also learning as a woman to, to, to kind of embrace what I have to offer and what I can do and also monetizing that because obviously, you know, we need money to live in this world. But, um, you know, it, it through honesty and through just kind of vulnerability, I've been able to do that. And, uh, and, and God, I was just going to say, I think it's really powerful what you said about like, as a woman, like, like you're talking about this idea of, do you, do you want to be a specialist in one or be a master of all? Right. And, yep. um, and I think it's really powerful that you made that connection to like, being a woman specifically and owning that because I think a lot of times, you know, in our culture, society, especially like, you know, there's always this talk about women in the boardroom or in companies in general, not even necessarily the boardroom, but there's not enough women fighting for the boardroom or if they are fighting for the boardroom, there's no seat being welcomed to them. And I think there's a lot more that we can do as a culture and society to support women who are embracing so much knowledge and skill in various aspects of the world um, that they not only can build a career in it, but they can be a specialist in all these different things. And that diversity is specifically what makes them so powerful. So I think it's really, I think it's really cool how you've used your platform in particular to show women what they can be. Because I think of that dichotomy that you were talking earlier about 
how, how do you know if I didn't serve and that I can't make yeah. pies? I think that's yep. going to be my, my uh, takeaway for this. <laughs> yeah, interview. right. Actually, walk into a meeting and your head say, they don't know. Yeah, they don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, that became, know. Like, that became like a common theme for me when I first started boxing and nobody knew who I was. I would get, and I mean, I was doing this before Ronda Rousey was on the scene. I mean, I would wear, I would blow out my hair, I'd put on makeup, and I'd wear, you know, I, I would wear like Victoria's Secret boxer briefs and a tank and a and a, um, a, a sports bra, like a Victoria's Secret sports bra. I'd keep it feminine, and I'd get up on the scale, and I, I, my opponents would look at me. I mean, I have pictures of my opponents looking at me like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, really? Mm-hmm. And these girls were different. They looked different. Their body. Their muscle was different. Their body types were different. Everything was different. But I'm like, you have no idea. See, my 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 look like you don't want to know what I look like on the inside, because that's <laughs> where the beast comes out. You know, I learned that I don't have to put because I had a real identity issue when I first started boxing. You know, mm-hmm. when I first went to the gyms, I was like, well, maybe I'm not. I'm. I mean, I was good at what I did. And I was being told I was really good, but I couldn't connect with some of the women that were in the gym because mm-hmm. I was super feminine and super. And some of the girls were not as or as outgoing as me or something and I just felt really alone and I'm like you know I don't ever want any female that I ever come across to feel this way I don't want any woman that comes into boxing to feel the way that I feel right now so now when I meet women I'm all about going up to them and saying hey you know what I mean I'm like the big mouth and I'm the one that's coming up to them saying hey welcome like you know I want them to know and I still to this day get it like I get people looking at me they're like even you know I'm I, w- I go and I volunteer at the kids program at my gym at Knuckleheads Boxing. And, and I, and, and even some of the kids were just like, they didn't know me at first. And now they're like, then Haas introduced me and then he points it up on the wall because my picture and the WBC belt is on the wall and I got cornrows and I look a lot different. And they're like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah. So you never know, you know, because I walk in and I'm like, I had somebody say, Oh, are you like a mom? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, wait a minute. I don't want to, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult or like, I have no kids, but I'm not a mom. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's that I have a nurturing quality about me. Like, what do you mean? Am I a mom? Like, what does that mean? You know? Cause they didn't know I was a fighter. Cause I was there I, at an event and I had all, I, I had my belt. It was Ventura Summerfest actually a weekend ago and I had my belt out and I was with two guys. One was a track runner. He did, um, uh, I guess he was a long distance runner. Then the other guy, he was a lifeguard and it's me and everybody that walked over, they looked at the belt and they looked at the guys and I'm sitting there and wow. I just observed it. And it was so funny. I mean, all of them, the kids, everybody. And then the guys were like, no, those are hers. And then I get up and I'm wearing jeans, a tank top and I'm, you know, I'm, my hair's blown out. I got makeup on. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. I saw the picture. She looked pretty yeah. cute. I mean, like, see, that's the thing though. Like, what, what does a fighter look like? And that's why I think it was awesome. Like how they promoted Rhonda with the femininity, you know? And I'm like, yay, it's finally out there. I, we've just been, I mean, women like myself have just been fighting against this for so long, but you know, it's still, it's still going to be that way. You know what I mean? Cause no, everybody knows who Rhonda is cause she's on every, you know, she's in everything, but Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows who certain other who certain women are. So we kind of have to just. I, I got. I, I realized I have to have a sense of humor about it because if I would take it as an insult every time or get mad, it would just expend a lot of energy on something I didn't need to expend it on. Mm-hmm. But it's still. I'm not going to say it's not rough. It's not like you know. When, when am I ever going to be respected for what I do? And um, but it doesn't matter. It's. It, I realize it's the respect that you give yourself. You mm-hmm. know, and those are things that I'm learning. The lessons that I'm learning through through boxing. You know, and through everything that I'm going through and everything that I'm, I'm allowing myself to experience, you know, and, you know, I try to tell kids like, you know, make yourself vulnerable. Don't be afraid of vulnerability, you know, and it's scary because, 
guess what? Not every time I made myself vulnerable was it received well. Um, you know, I was hurt, whether it was relationships, whether it was um, business. You know, I've been used. I've been mistreated. I've been lied to. I've been manipulated. And it sucks. But I'm still me. And and again, there's that quote, you know, as long as you, I go to bed with me, I need to wake up with me. And if as long as I like what's looking in the mirror, that's all that matters. And, and that for me, integrity has a lot to do with that and, and my values, you know, and it's keeping certain people around me, surrounding myself with people that share in that, you know, because it's, it's, it's not easy. And just being in this world, it's, it's just not easy. And I wasn't, and I, again, I'm, I'm not the first person. I'm not going to sit here. Like I've been asked if I was a feminist. I'm like, you know, I don't even know what that means. Like, I know what it means, but I don't know what that means. I'm just like, listen, I'm a woman by birth. I'm a woman, but I'm a human being. So I have, you know, it's what my I experience. I mean, yeah, throw hormones in there, throw all this other stuff. But, <laughs> you know, I'm a human being. I don't know. Like, to me, it's not like I don't like to just overthink it. You know, I'm just like, I'm OK. I walked into a sport was male dominated. I didn't care that there were men doing it. I was I wanted to do it, too. And I was going to do it. So, you know, there's, and I would always say there's no, no, um, boxing isn't gender specific. It doesn't say boxer. There's no feminine or masculine word for the word boxer. It's not, mm. you know, boxer and boxer. No, it's boxer. So it's just one, one word. There's no feminine mm. or masculine. That's it. So why can't it just be that easy? But, you know, other things come into play, but it's, it's all about perspective and how you look at it. And there's times it's not, it's not like, you know, I, I don't just walk around saying like, oh, it's that easy. It's not that easy. You know, I, I get, I find challenges all the time. I get frustrated. I get annoyed, you know, when I'm fighting and an, 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 I was given an opportunity by Shane Mosley to fight on, you know, his, his undercard and it was on pay-per-view and it was awesome. But, you know, I was fighting for a world title. Everything was great. But I got to sit there and say, but how come I'm not getting paid if I was a man fighting on mm. pay-per-view for a world title on an undercard? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, um, what do I do with this? You know what I mean? Like, of course, I take the opportunity and I do it because I'm I'm so freaking grateful. But mm. you know, it still it still kind of stinks because it's still that fact that f- that I'm not getting paid. You know, and and I've told people like when I tell them what I've gotten paid, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, but again, I'm pushing forward towards something. You right. know, and I know my worth. I can't mon. I can't. You know, I'm tr- that's where it's coming. You know, where you're trying to, there's so many different things. You've got to make yourself marketable too. And that's what something that I've learned in business, um, you know, doing what I do and, and staying relevant, even when I'm not actively fighting or something like that, because I'm always working because I'm so diverse. There's so many different things I could do. So if I'm not boxing, I'm still working. What am I doing? I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm tapping into other things that I can do. And like I said, it comes naturally because I find that it'll come naturally if you're just honest. And you got to yeah. be honest with yourself first and then honesty and integrity. And again, for me, my spirituality has a lot to do with it. You know, my higher power is God and God gave me boxing because there was no reason for me to be a boxer. No way that I would have even encountered the sport had it not been for an abusive relationship. And how can I thank God for an abusive relationship? But guess what? I do because I survived it and I got out of it and it turned into something else. And that's where I got my peace. And sitting here going, you know, whatever negative comes, I'm like, okay, here's another one. This is going to turn to a positive because every negative thing in my life has turned into my depression, turned into something positive, my abusive relationship, something positive. Even, you know, um, anything, even when I, I did drugs, you know, um, I had gone to, to Al-Anon, I had gone to, into programs, I had an eating disorder. Every negative in my life that's happened turned to a positive. How can I deny that the ne- any negative that happens in my life is going to turn to a positive? But it's what I do with it. If I choose to become the victim or I choose to become the, the overcomer. 
you know, and I chose the overcomer. And I think a lot of women don't know that they're faced with that option. And, and they don't know that they, they have the ability to do that. They have the ability to choose. It's there. And it takes one tiny step. Like literally when I was, I had my eating disorder and I was in depression. I was on, um, I was on, uh, antidepressants and I was 180 pounds. I literally got up and I went for a walk every day. Every single day I would walk 20 minutes and it killed me, but I did it. I just said, just go, just go. I became, became mm. like a robot. I didn't feel good. I felt sad. I felt sick. Sometimes I felt suicidal, but I got up and I did it. And next thing I knew I was running, I was losing weight and then I'm fighting. You know what I mean? So it just takes a one little step. And I, and I, I continue doing that today. You know, there's days where I don't feel great, but it's one little step, one little, one little move makes a big difference. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in not just the vulnerability that you've shared, not just with us, but, you know, when we first met you even, um, a lot of the things that you shared at that viewing were things that I, quite frankly, learned for the first time. I mean, certainly I followed your professional career, but, you know, I I didn't know any of these things about you. And I, I'm sure for a while, it's not like you wore that full heart on your sleeve. Maybe the, maybe the documentary kind of forced you to realize, like, maybe there was yeah. something for you to share with the world. But, um, but I think that... I think that vulnerability, I feel like that's a recurring theme of our talk today. I think that's probably one of the most powerful things I certainly can uh, attest to as well in my own life, um, being vulnerable and asking people for help in the process of not just starting a company, but just being real with who you are and the things that you don't know and do know and how you are, um, you know, how you're still trying to pay forward. And I think what you were saying specifically about how uh, when you were super depressed and your mind over matter energy was pushing you to just walk. Um, yep. I think that that mental exercise that you just described, I think that that so powerfully describes and stands as a testament to what, what people don't realize they can do if they really mm-hmm. focus their mind. It sounds so cheesy, right? I feel like a lot of people, when they hear that kind of advice, like, you know, it's just mind over matter. It's so true, though. Um, same thing whenever, you know, Megan or I get um, weird looks from people because we've said we've sparred before, right? They're like, how how or why would you want to do that? Like, that seems so scary. Yeah. But it's like, it's 100% mind over matter. Um, and it's about you anyway. It has nothing to do about the, with the other person. It has to do with you. And so um, I love what you said about, that that very personal story of yours, but um, but how that resonates so much to um, to day to day lives as well uh, about mind over matter. Yeah, and I mean at the end of the day, it's who I am, and I'm like you know overcoming. But you know, it's not like oh I've got it now. Like oh sure. I've got it. Like now I'm good. No, every day I'm faced with this challenge. But I got to remind myself, and sometimes I can't remind myself. Sometimes it takes my friends to remind me. You know, me and Jill, I mean, shoot, we've called each other. Like, I mean, actually, I have to call her. But we always check in with each other. And if she's not okay, she's like, hey, I'm having a rough day today. And then I'll call her and say, what's going on? And then sometimes I'll call her and I'll say, you know, I'm having a rough day. You know, and, and she'll she'll talk to me and we remind each other. Uh, and she's even said, like, Maureen, you've been through this before. Do you remember X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, this is my experience and I can't even remember it because you get so stuck in that funk. And that's why we're having a support group is really important. And, you know, I go back to even my coach. I mean, he's Haas. I mean, man, I, that man, I don't know how he does what he does, but he's like a therapist. You know, when I go in some days when I'm not okay, it's funny because I'd go into the gym and whether we don't have a fight date or a fight got canceled or whatever, I come in. I'm like, yeah, he's like, what's the matter? I tell him how I feel. He looks at me. You know what he'd say? It's very easy. Okay, so quit. That's all he says. So quit. You don't have to be here. And I just look at him. 
I roll my eyes and I grab my bag and I go into the gym and I work out. And he said that to me like at least five times because I'm not going to quit. You know what I mean? And, you know, if the day I walk out and I'm like, you know what? You're right. Then that means that I'm probably done. But, you know, I just look at him. I'm like, okay, but he's honest with me, you know, because it's the truth. Mm -hmm. It's like we have a decision and that doesn't allow you to become a victim to to your own, your own stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not this guru. I'm not like this, you know, people don't realize it took work for me to get to where Mm -hmm. I am right now. Even sometimes I forgot how much I've worked on myself and in therapy and in, you know, just self-help stuff. I mean, I was, I don't know if you guys, I'm obsessed with sex in the city just because, you know, it's New York and I love it. And so, and I love fashion, but there's a, there's an episode where, um, where, uh, Charlotte is always in the self-help section and then everybody's like quiet, crying, looking at the books. And I'm like, Oh, that was me. <laughs> I would go to Barnes and Noble and end up in the self-help but that showed that I wanted help. And I think mm-hmm. for anybody and you know, it's, it's tough even, I mean, for men, especially, Cause I mean, think about it. We, cause I always like to talk about the men a little bit too, because mm-hmm. as women, we're expected to cry. We're expected mm-hmm. to be hormonal and have, you know, um, little moments where we crave chocolate and things like that. Men don't have those opportunities. You know what I'm saying? They, they get mm-hmm. penalized because if they're vulnerable. And I think I, I wish more men would be vulnerable. You know what I mean? Because I think that that's where they get the healing. I think now more men are vulnerable and honest you know, without being uh, critiqued or put down, but it's just, a, it's a human thing. You know what I mean? I mean, take the, take the gender out of it. It's a human thing and it's gotta be okay. But society has created this idea of what's okay, what's not. And it, I mean, it just happens. It, it's part of, you know, just, just, you know, just how, how things are, you know, sociology, it just explains like the dynamic of culture of everything. You know, mm-hmm. and we're breaking barriers every day because evolution's inevitable. You know, so are we going to evolve or are we just going to stay stuck? And you can't because yeah. times are changing. I mean, they've been saying that since for how long? And times change and you got to kind of, yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> but you kind of have to work with it. And a lot of people, though, they don't want change. They're not ready mm-hmm. for that change or what's the right kind of change or, you know, and, and I, I look at parents and I'm like, man, like I feel bad because society doesn't really help them with what they're trying to 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 give to their kids, you know. Because there's things changing and it's positive and negative, and it's finding that balance and still staying healthy while it's all going on. Um, I for your speaking engagements and stuff, I'm curious, what's been your favorite so far? Um, I don't I don't necessarily know how long you've been doing the the speaking engagement trail, but it'd be great to hear, you know, maybe anecdotally an experience that you had in particular that maybe moved you, whether it was because of the audience reactions or the people who are participating. But um, definitely would love uh, to hear a highlight from that. Well, you know, I I can't say there there really isn't just one. I've spoken it. So many, cause I can speak on so many different topics and so many different things mm-hmm. and just sharing my story of, but I, 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 I love when I speak to kids, you know, cause kids keep it simple. You know, it's the littlest thing and they look at you with this adoration, you know, and they're not, they're not like, they ask the simplest questions. Like I, I've spoken to a fifth grade class and, um, you know, I've spoken to high school kids. I've spoken to grammar school, you know, whatever. But fifth grade, I spoke at actually, um, the teacher became a really good friend of mine. And, um, this little girl asked me, you know, what, what, if I didn't want to box, what, what did I, did I always want to be a boxer? Or was there something else that I wanted to be? Or what would I be if I wasn't a boxer? 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, that was so powerful. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't, like, it's like this, fi- this fifth grader. Yeah, right? It's like the simplest because they're simple-minded. They have simple mm-hmm. questions and they're innocent. They're still in their innocence. So their questions are innocent. Like, you know, I could be in a room full of teenagers, you know, or, or young adults and they ask these questions and you're, and you can tell if they're asking with a certain kind of attitude or whatever, you know, but with kids, you can't get mad at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause they're kids. They don't know, you know, and, and I think like those are my favorite audiences because I actually feel like I learn more about myself from those, mm-hmm. those speaking to the kids and doing the Q and A after. You know, um, I always learn about myself through when I speak, um, because I love all the Q and A's. But I think um, that that one was one, and and I was um, I was so honored. I was a keynote speaker at a high school graduation um, here in Oxnard, and I was just blown away that I was asked. I mean, this isn't even my hometown, and these people are trusting my message, and I'm always telling them like, I thank you for trusting me. And I remember I was there, and it was actually where I fought at the Performing Arts Center was the graduation. And I saw the teachers getting up on stage. You know, they had their cards and their reading and everything. And then I went up there and I don't read. I never read off of anything. And mm-hmm. um, so I go up there and I just, I always say a prayer. And um, I just looked at the kids and I knew my audience and I just started speaking. And um, I I mean, the looks on their faces and the energy I was getting back from them, like I could feel the energy and not like, I'm not like a witch or anything like that, but I can feel energy, <laughs> you know, maybe because I have so much of it, I can feel I feel people's pain. You know, I have this like, I just feel and you know what they call, I mean, we're considered empaths, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I can feel it. And, and these kids, I almost like, I could feel their, their energy. And then I, I knew what I wanted to say because of the feeling, you know? So mm. when you're sitting there and you're, you have these kids, especially like at graduation where they're, they're going into an unknown world and they're scared, but they're, they're excited and they're, they're so happy. I felt so many different things. And I just kept speaking and just their looks on their faces. And I'm like, Man, like I never take that for granted. I'm not like, oh yeah, I did that. I'm like, whoa, this is a big responsibility, Maureen. Like, so <laughs> yeah. the first thing I say when I'm done speaking is to the teachers, to whoever has me, the event coordinators, who's ever in charge, is thank you for trusting my message. I'm grateful. You know, I always let them know that I'm grateful because I'm a speaker, but you know, there's a lot on the line with that. You know, mm. a lot of an impact you can leave, especially with kids and right. parents. I tell parents, mm. I'm like. You know, and I have a lot of parents that come up to me asking me, like, you, you, when you tell me your story about your, your childhood, you sound like my child. Like, what do I do? I'm like, oh man, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, shoot. Time I to get tell you, you know, I'm just like, yeah, right. I'm like, um, you know, but it, it, it's tough when they come to you because they're almost just like searching for anybody that can understand or relate. And sometimes, you know, I may be that only person that can understand or relate, but I always tell them, you know, the best advice I could give them is, is, you know, trust the foundation you laid down. Cause it really starts with the person. You know mm. what I mean? Like the person I am today, you know, if I'm blessed to have children, that's going to leave a, a legacy for my kids to see, say, Oh, mom was a world champion. Mom went through this. Mom went through that. I love the internet for that reason. I want my kids to go back and see me down on the canvas, see my face <laughs> all busted up. And they're like, Whoa, but, or my grandkids, you know what I mean? But I'm leaving a legacy for whether mm-hmm. it's my children or just leaving it for other people. But it all started with me. It's about me. I don't do it for anybody else but myself. And it has to start with you, you know, and then, and then you move forward. But so many people get lost in other places, you know, they get, because that's, I mean, I'm, I'm a speaker. I don't know if it's just being grateful or I, I don't know, humble. I mean, I was like, you're so humble. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I'm just me. You know what I mean? Like humility. I'm like, I don't know. 
you know, there's moments where I'm not humble and I walk around like, shoot, you know who I am? You know what I mean? Because like, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. There is moments where I'm just like, oh, I didn't get recognized. Like, boo. But then I'm like, all right, relax, slow your roll and get back to reality. <laughs> I think I think that's part of, of being human. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mom- moments of insane confidence and moments of insane self-doubt. So, but so you have I, to feel both ends of the spectrum absolutely. in order to find balance because mm-hmm. that's really the ultimate thing that I think all of us are trying to achieve, you know, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, we're trying to achieve balance and understanding. And I think everybody, I don't give up on people. You know, that's a big thing where people like you give people too much chances. Why do you mm. give people so many? I'm like, cause I believe in people, you know, mm. and, and, but I got to But now that's where I'm learning to say enough's enough and mm-hmm. learning my boundaries and setting a little bit more concrete boundaries. You know, that's what I've been working on, you know, in the past year. I, I can I can feel that one. I always say to people that I'm a classic middle child and I have a tendency to trust everybody and, and assume they mean well and when they mess up, just accept it as humanity. And so the uh, boundaries are something I've been working on too. So, so I can appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, something, something that I really enjoyed talking to you about when we were in LA and kind of has come up a little bit here and there throughout uh, the conversation today is um, how image impacts women in sport and female athletes um, and how that is to be viewed. I'm obviously not at all near your level as an athlete, but, <laughs> but that being said, you know, there are times, uh, for example, when my husband and I moved to Portland, we went to a lot of different gyms and tested them out. And it was really rough for me. Um, you know, my, my husband's a former kickboxer and, and he looks very athletic. I unfortunately do not quote unquote look as athletic as I am. So it was really hard because we were going to these new environments and I was basically being ignored Mm. (laughs) or worse. I was being just not paid attention to it all, or I was being over coached. Um, and I wasn't being respected as an athlete. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very interesting how, you know, I feel like female athletes are judged immediately as to the way they look or how they present, present themselves. And that's such an important part of who they are. And I, you and I talked a little bit about that when we were in LA. How, how has that been kind of learning? Was that something you had to learn how to present yourself or has that been something that you just kind of did? Well, no, I mean, I went through, I mean, oh God, this is where I'm just saying, I'm like, you know, God gives me too much credit because I'd gone through so much. I mean, there was a point where I was, you know, um, when I was very feminine, I didn't get respected mm-hmm. because I wasn't for boxing. So I wasn't, I didn't have mm-hmm. tattoos. I didn't look tough. Then, you know, um, when I gained the weight, when I was going through my depression, I went to the gym and this is in the documentary when I say, you know, I went to the gym and the guy was like, what happened to you? You look like a fat cow. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, so what? Doesn't mean that I'm not the athlete anymore, you know? Right. Um, but you know, the, the, it, it's you know, it is definitely something that I've I've come into contact with, and um, you know, I, I I don't know. I've always tried to tell people like I didn't always look like this. You know what I mean? Like I work every day at staying in shape and things like that, or whatever you want to call it. But it doesn't matter. Like if you have the the ability. Well, okay. So I'll, I'll say I'll tell you this story. When I first came to to Knuckleheads. Okay, I had already won an NABF title. So I had a title. I was I had um two losses and I was moving out here. I went to this gym and um I said, "Okay, what do I know? I know that I want to gain respect. Mm-hmm. How do I gain respect?" Now mind you, I'm walking talk about vulnerability. I'm walking to a gym and I was 180 pounds. So what mm-hmm. happened the last time I was 180 pounds? I got called a fat cow. 
But I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what am I going to do? Not go to the gym because I'm afraid to be judged. I'm like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to have to deal with it. So I'll be prepared. Somebody may call you fat. Somebody may say something else to you, but I, I didn't care. I was there for me. So I went to the gym and I was jumping rope and, um, the, the three guys, three of my teammates that are now my teammates came up to me and they started talking to me while the light was green and I was jumping rope. So I turned mm-hmm. around and I said, Hey, I'll talk to you guys when the light's red. And mm-hmm. they just looked at me like, and then I just kept jumping rope. And then I mean, yeah. And they were like, Oh, so I initially, I initially just mean, I just, that was my work ethic that I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not here to socialize. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to talk. I'm here to work. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing I think as athletes need to go when you go into a gym, don't, you know, just say I'm here to work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's it. And then it's going to take time to prove because then I just kept working and they still, I don't think anybody really took me as seriously because I was still running. I mean, they heard I was a boxer. They knew, uh, they knew a little bit about me, but who knows where I'm going now, you know, but then I sparred and I remember sparring. I got, I, I squatted, I got stuck on the rope. I couldn't get back up because I was too heavy, you know, mm-hmm. for what I was trying to do. And, you know, it was, it was a struggle. But mm-hmm. I earned my respect through showing up every day, working, and just and I kept going with that. And mm-hmm. you know what? I think that's what's in your control mm-hmm. as a, a female athlete is that's all you can do. You can't change somebody's mind. You can't right. change somebody's perspective. You can't change what somebody thinks of you. And you know what? I, I've done that so much in my life. I'm like, I'm going to prove to this person that I'm – screw that person. You know, that, that person's <laughs> not God. It's not judgment day. You're not going into the pearly gates of heaven. You know what I mean? What the heck do they have to do with your life? You know, and mm-hmm. I still got to remind myself, like, I don't care. You know, I, I, you know, even when I go to fight, sometimes I don't get recognized. I'm like, I don't care, whatever. I mean, yeah, sometimes it, it bums me out, but sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I, I know who I am and that's all that matters. And then they, like I said, it's got to be about you. So mm-hmm. when you go into the gym, you know, looking for the respect going in initially looking to be taken seriously, just go in there and work for you. And, and that's where, you know, it's something I've always had to like, I really got that like drilled into me, you know, with what I'd been through, you know, especially mm-hmm. going to the gym the first time I was really mm-hmm. thin. I was 115 pounds and I was in a gym with all these guys. And the only thing I could mm-hmm. connect with them was that I spoke Spanish because a lot of them were Puerto Rican and Dominican. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, and yeah. here I am boxing and then they're trying to give me their phone numbers. Here I am trying to get out of an abusive relationship, afraid that my stalker boyfriend is going to be outside the door when I leave the gym. And I got these guys giving me their number. I'm like, yeah, this is the last thing that I want, you know, <laughs> but they don't know that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I just kept working. I didn't call. I didn't. So I didn't. You know, I just. And, and that's the thing that some girls need to think about. Why are they going to the gym? Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. do they like the attention that they're getting? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I think that comes with self-confidence. And I'm not going to say that. I didn't feel good. Of course I felt good. But then I had to sit back and say, okay, what do you want here? Do you want the attention of the guys or do you want the respect of the sport that you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. in? There's mm-hmm. a difference. You can meet guys everywhere. Why do you got to meet them at your gym? Like, I don't, I don't believe in that. <laughs> you know, where they say, you know, don't shit where you eat, things like that, you know? But, you know, it's, it's, it's just, just go. And, and I, and I've, I've made that mistake myself. You know what I mean? And then I learned my mm-hmm. lesson and I'm like, okay, lesson learned, keep going. You know, so. I think just going there for you and, 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 and definitely it's, 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 it's a problem and it's going to continue. I think yeah. forever. You know what I mean? Because women are women and men are men. You know, when you go into the gym, some guys aren't like that though. Like Haas, when I went to train, Haas was just like, you know, he looked at me like another body in the gym. Okay. You're going to, you're going to work. And then eventually the guys looked at me like that too, because mm-hmm. they saw my work ethic and, you know, and I'm proud to, you know, currently I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the only champion in the gym. Victor Ortiz and I are the only two champions in the gym. And I'm like, man, I reached my goal. You know, I did it. You know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm the girl, but I'm doing what I got to do. And I got to maintain that. 
And it's a respect because being a champion comes with a certain level of, uh, you know, a responsibility too in yourself. And I'm going to mess up. You know, I'm going to mess up. I make mistakes, but I always get back on the horse and I keep on going, you know, and I think that's, that's part of, of, of just, you know, choosing the choices that you're making, the choices that you make and, and, and riding through with them. Um, Maureen, I'm pretty sure if there were mic drops throughout this podcast, there would have been like 10, maybe 15. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was chucking them out the yeah. window. I, I was like, like oh, and that's a good one. Oh, I, another one. <laughs> I think I have like, I, so as an athlete, I'm one of those people that like, I keep little like sound bites from my coaches and my mentors throughout the years, like in my head. And when I doubt myself, like they play and I think you just added a few new sound bites. She's just going to be listening to this podcast yeah. on the EP. Aww. Everything else that you know but you know what's funny i'm gonna be listening to this podcast because sometimes i listen to myself because i gotta remind <laughs> myself i'm just like oh yeah that's good and i'm all yeah, like, oh, yeah, your, that. yeah take your, take your <laughs> own advice <laughs> yes well that's the thing whenever i whenever <laughs> i talk to jill <laughs> whenever i talk to jill or any of my friends i'm just like and don't think like when they call me for advice i'm like and don't think i'm not talking to myself right now <laughs> and then they'll laugh i'm like yeah because it's okay i'm not like again i'm not perfect i'm not and i have to remind myself that i'm not perfect and i'm okay to yeah. mess up because sometimes i'll be like i'll put so much pressure on myself and my manager luigi would always tell me like take it easy be kind to yourself don't be so mm-hmm. hard on yourself mm-hmm. but I've always been that way and it comes from my upbringing and sometimes mm-hmm. I do it subconsciously, but right. you know, I've learned to laugh at myself and even say things right now. And, you know, I went through a moment today where I was like super down. I mean, it's dreary outside. I'm super down. And I was like, okay, you're just going to go through the motions, had a good workout, came home, mm-hmm. still felt super down, but I'm like, all right, we'll just foam roll for a little while. Maybe it's stuck in your joints somewhere or your muscle and mm-hmm. it'll come out. And then I get to talk to you guys and now my f- day's better. So, Aww. you know, I just had like a mini <laughs> therapy session with myself yeah. talking to you guys. So, yay. Thank you. Well, I was going to say, you should come to Portland because it's not dreary right now. It's like yeah. 90 degrees and sunny. Is it? So. You know, my, yes. my cousin, my cousin's going to college in Oregon. I don't know where, but she starts in September. But that's definitely, I I, I want to, I'd love to come visit. Sounds like you'll have to come up. Come up. We'll yeah. have to have a, a live and in-person hangout. Oh, that'll be so fun. Then. We could do part it. two. Yeah, exactly. Oh, heck Marine yeah. Mike, Marine mic drops part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Um, thank you so much for for taking time to chat with us and share your wisdom and 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 to be vulnerable and even though you were self medicating with your own therapy. Yeah. Your I own, know, right? Uh, <laughs> your own nuggets. And and, awesome. and I'll tell you that I have some sand. I don't know if you've ever heard of the mag- magnetic sand. No. Okay, so this stuff is like really amazing. I'm just going to tell you right now. You can get it in a kids. I think it's for kids. It's magnetic sand. And I went to buy a gift for a friend, a uh, friend's son, oh, and he was like five years old. About. Yeah, and I went to the store and I'm like, I need this. I'm like, oh my god. So I literally, I'm sitting here talking to you guys, listening, and I'm, I'm playing with playing magnetic with sand. That's your. Job. It's like yeah, like weird, but like you know what? I just started doing it, and I'm like. This is like keeping me focused right now. So this is what I'm going to do for the entire podcast. So thank you. (laughs) I'm glad that I'm glad that we were a bright spot in the day for you, and you definitely were for us as well. So go have a great Wednesday, and thank you again for spending some time with us. And I'm sure we'll be in touch again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. And thank you guys so much for listening.